my fellow Flames fans and other internet crap posters, we welcome you to the State of the Union, otherwise known as the Flames Heat Check, here today on Lockdown Flames. Your Locked On Flames, your daily podcast on the Calgary Flames. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's episode of Locked On Flames. I'm Jess Belmosto, joined by my partner in crime, Nick Zararis. And today we are going to discuss the state of the union and how the Flames are doing at the official halfway point of the season. And if you want to follow along for more, make sure you are subscribed to Locked On Flames wherever you're getting your podcasts. And of course, make sure you're following along on YouTube as well at Locked On Flames. I can't believe that it's already the midpoint of the season. It's going really fast. I, I was talking about this yesterday with somebody because football season ended, the regular mm-hmm. season of the NFL ended. This was the fastest NFL season of my entire life. And we're already at the midway point of the NHL season. And I still don't really know if anybody in the NHL is good other than the Bruins, which it, it's kind of <laughs> weird, but it, it's it, the season's going by very fast, but we still don't have a lot of answers to the questions we have. No, and I think that's why it's perfect to sit down today and talk about these things because, you know, a lot of it is just the eye test and then you look at the pretty graphs and the numbers and, you know, sometimes they both match and other times one is a better testament than the other. So I figured today we could start with the forwards, go by, you know, each group and end with some goalies, and maybe some coaching talk to get your input on uh, this Daryl Sutter situation. Okay, so first and foremost, this is a very weird forward group because it's taken a while for them to figure out who they want to play with who. I I get when you bring in two guys who are going to play a bulk of your ice time and in multiple situations like a Huberto and like a Kadri, you're going to try and do everything you can to get those guys going. And the guys who are already here from last year, not as much of a priority because you kind of know how you want to use them already. But we are at the midway point and they still don't exactly know what they want to do with Kadri and Huberto. The last few weeks, they've kind of stabilized how they've played this lineup. They played Kadri with Huberto, with Lucic. They put Manjapani back with Backlund and with Coleman. And then that third line with Lindholm has been been very good the last couple weeks and they found a makeshift fourth line with two call-ups during the course of the season that's been relatively effective so where do you want to start in breaking this down because there's a lot of different paths we could go down who's exceeding expectations who isn't where do you want to start Jess um I think we should start with who's exceeding the expectation because I owe all the apologies in the world to Tyler Toffoli correct me as well I, I didn't think that he was going to be a strong suit for that top line. And he has shut us up with his production. And I am very, very happy to see him performing this way. And same goes for his line mates. You know, Elias Lindholm leads the team in points. And Dylan Dubé is having a, just a career season. I'm calling it right now. Uh, he has a career high of 32 points. And I... He has 21 points in 41 games, so I'm going to say that he's more than likely going to pass that and set a new record. Yeah, no, he's been outstanding. I didn't think he had this in his game. I thought he was more of the 
the Barkley Goodrow ilk of the world, where like a, th- a solid third liner who can play in the top six in a pinch, but you don't really want him up there the full season. And yeah. I'll be I'll be honest, Dubé was really good when the Flames were struggling, especially November, early December, when they were oh, not yeah. particularly good. He was one of the few guys who was consistently noticeable. And being noticeable isn't always a translation to playing well, but no. for the type of game that Dubé plays, which is relying on motor and energy and being it wherever the puck is that's a sign he's being effective you could say the same thing for manjapani same thing for coleman those kinds of checking forwards where if they're on the puck and they're being noticeable that's typically a good sign if you're not seeing them that means they're not where they need to be and that's typically a bad reflection on that type of forward but especially over the last few weeks those guys have kind of gotten into a nice rhythm and it i I get why it took them a while to go back to Backlund, Manjapani, and Coleman, but that line works. You knew that line worked last year, and it's been outstanding. They've played like 110 minutes this year, and all of their metrics are outstanding. They're flirting with 60% in basically everything, and not just like scoring chances, like high danger, expected goals, like everything to tell you that this line is good, they they have. They have the yeah. eye test backs it up, and the fancy stats back it up. I absolutely love that line. I yeah. think that um, Mangiapani and Dubé, they, they're kind of like, they go hand in hand. I think that they complement each other, but they're not not in the line mate way. I think yeah. that you can look at the two style, uh, two players and look at the style of hockey that they play and really get like, you're getting good hockey out of them. Yes. And I think for me, I draw, you know, the close comparison because when I started covering this team, they were just, you know, baby flames up and coming and to watch them progress and kind of take these leaps into bigger roles has been, you know, really incredible. And I honestly hats off to Dylan Dubé. I I don't know. He's just, I, every year when trade deadline talk comes up, I'm like, okay, Dylan Dubé, like, I feel like he could do more for another team, but no, please. I, I think we're good. I like him. What I really enjoy what he's doing. You know, he's been great the last couple of weeks, especially the real, the big thing for the Flames going forward is going to be figuring out how to unlock Condry and Huberto together Yes, because the Flames seem pretty insistent on wanting to keep those two with each other, which is perfectly fine, but they need a better compliment to go with them than Lucic. And I get that they've gotten good, um, good results in terms of like goals for, like I wrote it down, uh, 50, uh, They've got 66% of the goals for when wow. they're on the ice, those three. But expected goals and the high danger are less than 50%, which tells you they're getting a little bit lucky results-wise. They're scoring yeah. goals that probably shouldn't be going in, that aren't particularly dangerous. But they're getting good bounces, so that's why they've stayed together this long. And as long as the results stay that way, that's fine, because... It, at the end of the it's it, it's very annoying when I have to use at the end of the day, but that's really the only way to segue into the next part of the sentence. At the end of the day, if you're scoring more goals than the other team when they're on the ice, you'll tolerate if they're not, the process isn't exactly ideal. If they're around 50% of the scoring chances and the expected goals and the high danger chances and they get extreme shooting luck, you'll take that any day of the week. But realistically, for the, the stretch run here, I, the deadline is still a good two months away, but that's got to be the priority is getting somebody who can play with Huberto and Kadri. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that it's one of these situations where you just kind of have to tolerate that line. Like I've just kind of come to terms with that because it's yeah. not a permanent solution. Do I think there's better options? Yes, absolutely. But whatever. They, yeah, exactly. Like I can't sit here and say, well, 
if you do this, you'll get better results because they're six, three, and two in their last 11 or so. Yeah. yeah last 11. So I'm not, I, I don't care. It, it's fine. Uh, do we want to talk about the not so greats? Um, really the only complaint I have is the way they've used Lucic. Other than yeah. that, everybody else is, and like, it's not Lucic's fault that they're playing him where they're playing him. But I, I talk about this all the time. The reason coaches fall back on these guys is they're low risk. They're going to make yeah. the safe play more. They're going to attempt to make the safe play more often than not. And coaches are going to be inclined to trust them to not just not mess up. That's really all the flames ask for from Lucic when he's on the ice. Anything they give him aside from not messing up is as a bonus. The problem is when you play him in your top six, he's going to go against other teams, quality players. And that's just not who he is at this point in his career. And it's okay that he's going to be the stopgap at that spot but if you really fancy yourself a contender that's a guy who's on your fourth line or your 13th forward that's not somebody who's playing 14 15 minutes a night on your first line sneaking in there on your second power play that's just not where Lucic is in his career and that's entirely fine you know he's been in the league a long time players erode as they get older they got to find a way to put him in a position to succeed because right now they're not doing that even if they are getting good results while he's playing with Huberto and with Kadri. Yeah, and I think we'll touch on this later uh, when we talk about the coaching and kind of you know those decisions. But I do think that you can't put him on the fourth line right now and to have him go out there and do cardio because that fourth line looks great. Yeah, and it's effective. Adam Razichka has stabilized it. I threw a graph up, I think, in uh, yesterday's second episode where I talk about Daryl Sutter and you know like there's and they want to keep him in the lineup because his price tag yes. you can't just it's like when the Bruins consistently scratch David Backus yes. and it's just like six and a half million dollars just sitting up in the press box like that's a waste of money when you know you could have been paying a top six forward that yeah. you desperately need that kind of money yeah, no, that, that'll be the thing. The Flames are likely in the market for another forward and one more defenseman, yep. and we'll talk about the defense next in the next segment, but those are really the only two needs. On paper, this is a pretty good team. It, it's not as high-end as some of the other teams they're going to run into. We we know that the Oilers, they have a really good they have a really good power play. They've got three really, really good forwards. We know Vegas has two or three really, really high-end forwards. And then you ha it's early to be worrying about the teams in the East, but those those are the teams that in the West, there's a handful of teams with more high end talent. I mean, the, the funny thing is, is that Seattle's kind of constructed in a similar way to Calgary, where it's more of a some of its parts type deal, where they're going to be relying on three lines to distribute the goal scoring kind of evenly playing OK defense and getting anything out of goaltending. And they'll be all right, which has been the Seattle formula. That's what Calgary needs. They need to tighten up a little more defensively, score a little more consistently and then just hold on and pray in net. And that's the recipe. Yeah, I mean, I I think you should be behind some sort of front office and doing all that fun calculations because, I mean, you're doing it on the podcast, so why not effectively do it in real life? But like you said, it is a little bit too early to start worrying about the teams in the East because there's really only one team to worry, and that would be the Bruins, but whatever it's fine just another great day for me but if you want to place some bets our next partner bet online has you covered from a to z with all the news trends odds and scores uh 
and you can place your bets very quickly and effectively, efficiently. And uh, the NFL playoffs are starting this weekend. I'm very much looking forward to that. Uh, it's another year of disappointment for the NFC East, mainly my Dallas Cowboys. It's fine. Uh, we'll just ride it out. It's good. But if you want to place some bets on their opponent, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers or uh, Knicks, New York Giants, go right ahead. Are they in the playoffs? Yes, they're playing the Vikings, but I would. Oh, don't do I that. Can't, I can't advise betting legal U.S. currency on the Giants. As a Giant fan, I would not like you. I, I, I respect your money too much. Well, good thing they use Canadian dollars. Yes, correct, correct. <laughs> so head on over to Bet Online to uh, honestly place bets against or for Tampa Bay and Minnesota because it's probably going to be the outcome at betonline.net. Bet Online, where the game starts. I have no hope. It's fine. I mean, it's a tall order when you're the Cowboys who, you know, I think they've won one playoff game in like 10, the last 10 years, and then they lost in the second round. Yep. Uh, it's a tall order when you got to play Tom Brady. I know the Buccaneers aren't very good this year. They have a lot of question marks all over their team. Their offensive line getting healthy at the end of the season has really helped them. But Dallas just, they never get the easy first round game. They, no. they just don't ever get the easy game in the first round. No. So go listen to Locked On Dallas Cowboys, Locked On Bucks. Locked on Giants and locked on Vikings for all of your NFL needs because who doesn't love some extra disappointment? We're going to be talking about a different D though. This D stands for defense. Yes. Um. Why don't you start? Because I I don't I don't have many bad things to say. The defense has largely been okay. They've kind of been. A- stock because the goaltending behind it hasn't been great uh the metrics all say that the flames have a pretty good defense like even the zadora michael stone pair that we complain about they're over what are they over yeah they're over 50 percent of the goals when they're on the ice they the flames score more often than the other team when Zadorov and michael stone are on the ice and the underlying numbers support that too they create more scoring um, chances more expected goals high danger is close to 50 percent. i think they're 48 percent, whatever but largely the defense is fine and the flames play a style that's supposed to protect the defense the entire point of playing this dump and chase style of offense is even if you don't recover the puck, the other team still has to go the full 200 feet length of the ice to catch up. And the Flames know they're a little bit slow on the back end. So they're going to play that dropped out play. They're going to, words are hard sometimes. When you talk <laughs> a lot, as much as I do into a microphone, sometimes you do trip on your words like that. But it happens. The Flames drop back in the neutral zone because they want to keep everything in front of them. They want the other team to dump the puck in behind them and have the Flames go back and get it. The Flames run into issues where they get into track meets, where their defensemen have to backskate, turn around to try and catch up to the play. That's where the Flames run into trouble. But as far as complaints, I mean, the only real complaint is that we haven't seen Kyle Chillington play hockey this year because he's so good. And it would be very, it would be a, a real luxury to have him playing with Mackenzie Weger or Chris Tanev and then mm-hmm. having one of those guys on the third pair with Zadorov. That'd be arguably the best one through six in the entire yeah. league if you had that grouping together. I mean, Mackenzie Weger has been outstanding defensively. You would like a little more counting stats wise in terms of points, but he's been fine. Noah Hannafin has taken a nice little step forward. When Tanev has been healthy, he's been pretty solid. And I 
I, I'm very content. I, I It could be a little bit better, the defense, because you know the goaltending isn't great. So a little bit better defense would help the goaltending out a lot. But it, there's not really a whole lot to complain about on the back end here. Aside from the occasional stupid Zadorov penalty where he just gets caught out of position and drags somebody down <laughs> as opposed to letting them go by him. Other than that, there's not a lot to complain about. Uh, Rasmus <laughs> Anderson is a treat. He's very fun to watch. Arguably the most fun player to watch on this team. Yeah, no, I my biggest thing here that I just want to place big emphasis on is Shillington, obviously, like, this is a no-brainer. This should go without saying. I hope everything's okay in yeah. Sweden, and I hope everything's okay with his family, but I, the it would be a treat, yes. a delight, to have him back in the lineup and to just stabilize the defense the way that Adam Rzichka has kind of stabilized the offense and especially that fourth line I think again last year the Flames had a fantastic fantastic defense so I think it is a little bit concerning when you watch that drop off Eric Goodbranson and uh, Nikita Zadorov played fantastic together Michael Stone has always been the seventh defenseman kind of guy and that's why he's consistently brought in on his PTO before being offered a legitimate contract. Yes, he's had like some serious health issues and ended up being bought out and things like that. But, you know, as time goes on, you you watch more and more of what he's doing. And I don't think that any of the Flames defensive prospects are ready to make that leap yet. I think we've we've seen what we're working with. And it's just it's better to keep it in the AHL for now. You know, who's a Valimaki tried very hard and then ended up just last year was a really tough year for him. And he ended up, you know, getting traded to Arizona and he's a top pairing defenseman and he's doing well. So, you know, it, it just because you're in an organization doesn't mean you're there forever. Obviously uh, sometimes you just have to move on. But I, I think that, you're right. I thought that the Flames defense was going to be fine where they wouldn't have to look for another defenseman at the deadline. But as time goes on, it's kind of uh, imperative. If if they think this window is as open as it is for them, they need to make some sort of move. Just rule of thumb, you should always trade for an extra defenseman because one of your defensemen will get hurt in the playoffs. That's just the way the playoffs go. That's really just a good rule of thumb. You get a guy, you get a third pair guy who's going to play 12 minutes, can maybe kill penalties if you're willing to spend a little bit more. Like, there's plenty of guys who will be out there that you'll be able to get reasonable third, fourth round pick, that type of thing. Because Michael Stone is the ideal extra defenseman who can slide in in a pinch. But the one, the, the team stat at, at five on five, they are ninth in expected goals against and they're 17th in actual goals against which tells you that again it's the goaltending not the defense that's been the issue so far and we're going to talk about the goaltending next in the next segment but we've been harping on the goaltending all season because that's really been the one the roster's constructed in a logical way it's just the goaltending hasn't met the expectations uh, and frankly the talent there and we're going to talk let me not jump let me not jump the gun here but we, we do have plenty more to talk about yes. with goaltending because it's not entirely their fault. Yes. it It's right there. Like, you're so close to seeing it. And you're so close to hearing about it because we're going to talk about that next. 
And I do want to tell you about Athletic Greens. Our next partner has a product that I use every day. Put it in my nice little, just one scoop in my water. And it helps with my immune system, with, you know, my gut health. Got to figure that out. I'm talking about stabilizing things. Got to figure that out. But, uh, you know, Athletic Greens is a lifestyle friendly, whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, or dairy-free, even gluten-free. It fits right in there. And Athletic Greens was created when the founder experienced a ton of gut health issues and ended up on a complicated supplement regimen to recover, and it was costing him about $100 a day. So right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash NHL Network. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash NHL Network to take over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. I think one of my favorite things about the offseason was knowing that Vladar was going to be getting more starts. Yeah. Yeah, we talked about that coming into the season, that one of the solutions for the Flames' long-run issues, especially because they figured themselves a playoff team, was a better workload balance because Jacob Markstrom was so worn out by the time the playoffs started that it was an uphill battle. you got to manage your goalie well because it's the most taxing position in hockey. You know that you ideally want your backup playing probably once a week. Ideally, you want your backup goalie in there once a week. Even if you're only playing three games in a week, if you can sneak that guy in there, if you and you know you're going to need your backup for those back to backs, and in a pinch, if you have an injury, you want to have confidence that your backup can start for at least a week or two until yeah. your starter can be healthy again. So, the, the fact that Vladar has out, outplayed Markstrom, frankly, is encouraging. But, like we were talking about before with Lucic, they pay Markstrom too much money. You know, he has the ability to be good. He was a Vesna finalist last year. This is somebody who has shown you the ability to steal games, especially in the playoffs, dating back to his time in Vancouver uh, before he got injured and then Demko came in for Vancouver. But this is somebody who has shown the ability to be a high level goalie in the NHL. And it's just a matter of getting him into that mental space where he can do it again. That's a lot easier said than done. People are very complicated. It, 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 this is not just a, hey, we like we trust you. We think you'll be okay. It's great to say that to him. I'm sure he gets that, that the team is very oh, yeah. assuring and tries to build him back up. They have a goalie coach for that specific reason. But it's another thing to actually go out and do it. it it's very challenging to make that talent, that confidence, all mesh together into a performance. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think it does come back to Markstrom finding that confidence in himself I'm sure that it's gotta be ego crushing to go out the way that you did against Edmonton and I I don't have an issue with Markstrom I I don't think that it's anything that he's not a bad goaltender he you're going to have ups and downs He's a human being. He's not a machine. This isn't a video game. He's in there tracking the pucks and making those stops. It's not just like a click of a button. And 
with Vladar, it's great to see that they have a great relationship and it's not, you know, like they're working together rather than competing for a job. And that's the significance, I think, of the Flames actually having a number one goaltender, which they were missing for quite some time. So it's nice to see that Vladar knows that as well. Like he's not coming in here and saying, I'm going to play out of my mind and take your job. No, no one is taking that job from Jacob Markstrom. You can try. I don't think that it's going to be too successful for you, but I, I just want to see better performances. And that's, again, easier said than done because you can go out there and say, I'm going to play out of my mind tonight. He had nine shutouts last year. That That's a lot. Yeah. He hasn't had one this year. That's okay. You're not going out there to break records every year. You're going out there to win a game and hopefully harbor enough energy to have it translate into the postseason and win something it's a real challenge goaltending is the most very highest variance position in all of sports there is no other position in any sport that is situation dependent as goaltender is in hockey there are so many variables that go into every single play that make it pretty much impossible to predict goaltending especially like to forecast it going forward and unless you're one of those like three or four guys like right now you would say Vasilevsky you would probably say Shesterkin you would say Connor Hellebuck and then if you wanted to say maybe UC Soros if you wanted to say somebody of that ilk okay sure but realistically you have three or four guys that are consistently elite every year and then you have five or six guys who are round out the top 10 You have five or six guys who are in the middle, and those guys rotate back and forth. And then the bottom 15 to 17 goalies, they're all interchangeable every single year. They are very different every single year. Oh, and I forgot Ilya Sorokin. You can probably put him in that top tier. You can probably put him in that top five with Hellebuck, Shesterkin, and Vesel. As long as he's healthy. Yes, exactly. Outside of – if you don't have one of those five elite guys – your goaltending, you should not expect much from your goalie. If you no. can if you can build some insurance into your roster construction where your goalie doesn't need to be amazing, but yeah. if you don't have one of those five guys, that's really how you should approach your goaltending if you don't have one of those really, really elite guys is have room for error in your roster construction. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, last night I was talking with one of my friends who does – uh, like stat uh, forecasts and whatnot. And he was like, Linus Omar broke my yeah. system. Like I can't do what I normally do because of how good of a performance he's been putting on. And that's, you know, again, we'll probably look at that performance next year and say, wow, what an outlying performance. Those happen. Yeah. But Jacob Markstrom last year, proved that he can do it and that's why i think people are so upset because the expectation is not being met yeah that that, and that's fair that's entirely fair but at the same time you gotta you gotta be a little realistic with goalie if you don't have one of the great guys 
As long as they're above average, that's really all you need if you don't have one of those five elite guys. Slightly above average. Markstrom hasn't reached that plateau yet. He hasn't even reached average, frankly, in his under in his statistics. He's still under a 900 save percentage, which is not great. Ideally, league average is 910, 909, depending on the season. Now it's going down a little bit because offense is up across the league, so maybe it'll go down to 908 even. But at 894, you need at least two more saves a game over the course of a month to get it back up to where he'd be at league average. Well, he probably made that a lot worse by allowing three goals on 11 shots on Sunday, but that's fine because that is the past, and we're just going to move forward. He does start tonight against St. Louis. I'm actually really excited uh, for this game and then against the the game against the Stars on Saturday. I think that'll be one heck of a game, but should we talk about the coaching real quick? Yeah, we can squeeze coaching in real quick. Uh, Daryl's Daryl. Uh, you know what you're going to get? You're going to get stubborn old man. That That's really all it is at the end of the day. You're going to get somebody who spent his entire life in hockey, who's going to trust his instincts because he's gotten this far on his instincts, and you're not going to be able to convince him he's wrong. That That's really what it comes down to at the end of the day. Uh, the Flames do not have... A, an empowered support staff. There isn't somebody on that bench who's been a head coach with another organization who can kind of push back or seek input. And that's the way Daryl wants it. He wants to, he's going to be the deciding force for those little things, the little decisions where if he's got, if they're going to lose, he wants it to be his decisions that made the team lose. That's the kind of way somebody like Daryl Sutter operates, which again, it's his prerogative. He's been in the league this long. He's been around this long because he has decent instincts. So it's very frustrating as a fan. Uh, it's very funny every now and then when you get him for a media availability and he gives you a very curt answer. But mm-hmm. other than that, it's frustrating. That's really all you can say about it. It's very frustrating, and you don't really get any satisfactory progress. No, you're absolutely right. And I think my thing here is there hasn't been a change in special teams coaching since I've started covering the team, which is four seasons now I get I really call it two and a half because of the pause and then the shortened season but I I feel like the power play can do so much more I don't know how I agree that's what they're paid to do not me I'm paid to whine about it but I I mean the problem is they don't have the personnel that's the yeah. thing. They, they don't have somebody with a wicked one-timer, and they have defensemen. They did. Take... Correct, correct. The, the problem is their defensemen take too many of the shots on the power play. I was reading a thread about this the other week. I think they have the team that shoots the most from the point on the power play, and, of course, those are the lowest quality chances. You need rebounds, redirections, or second-chance opportunities off of those, mm-hmm. and if you don't get clean recoveries down low, you're not going to be able to convert those into scoring chances, mm-hmm. and you're just taking bad shots at that point they don't really have somebody who can kind of facilitate or they don't have somebody who can facilitate in the way that they can run that type of power play that's relying on point shots and they don't have somebody to operate below the net or at the half wall in the way they have in the past i would like to see some some kind of power play alignment that emphasizes lindholm shot but they haven't really shown a willingness to do that they like the power play running through rasmus anderson which to some extent i understand he is their best puck handler on the blue line yeah. but 
at the same time, you would like a little bit more from that power play. I mean, they're 23rd in the league. You would ideally like a little bit. Yeah. Yes. They're 23rd as of this morning when I looked on, I think I looked on Jay Fresh's, um, Jay Fresh's, um, stats pages, but you would ideally like a good team is typically a legitimate Stanley cup contender is top 10 on both penalty kill and power play. They're seventh on the kill. They're 23rd on the power play. I'm not asking for unrealistic here. If you get to 15th in the power play by the end of the regular season and you're still top 10 in the kill, that's fine. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think, you know, they did do something right on Sunday. They did have, I mean, it really was just like an, a, a fluke, but uh, Elias Lindholm was right in front of the net and got the power play goal because Correct. he was able to capitalize on that net front presence that I've been yelling about all week, all season, I mean. It's only, it's only Tuesday. Um, but yeah, no, that I think State of the Union, it's fine. We're riding along. We'll be here. Yeah, we'll be here. It's, we're not going anywhere. You're stuck with us. But uh, is there anything else you wanted to add before we send these lovely listeners on their way? I hope they make Bennington cry. Me too. That's my biggest thing. I hope they make him look awful, like worse than ever before. I'm interested to see if, I don't think anything will come of it, but uh, this is the first time that him and Kadri have been on the ice together. Um, It would be a shame if someone threw an empty water bottle at Bennington, maybe his own Gatorade bottle. I don't know. But yeah, that's, that's all I have to say for my productive thoughts you can find the unproductive ones on twitter at jess belmosto and the show's twitter feed is lo underscore flames pod and youtube is locked on flames as well nick where can everyone find your fun actually productive thoughts I don't very much tweet productive thoughts. I tweet very silly things, and I, I weave I weave threads between things that only like four other people could possibly understand. There aren't a lot of people on the planet Earth who are going to compare, I don't know, like a Taylor Swift song to this or that, or a Phoebe song to this or that. My Twitter handle is at Nick. All right. So thank you, everyone. I appreciate you all for tuning in. Uh, we'll be here, and find us on Twitter tonight as we live tweet the nonsense that will be the Calgary Flames versus St. Louis Blues.